Warning, the following podcast has been classified as insanely lucrative. Listener discretion is advised. I opened a second seller account with approval in writing from seller performance with a case on my main account and a case on my new account. Your attention, please. please. Listening to the AMPM podcast may cause recurring revenue streams and unfair unfair advantages over your competitors. Other side effects may include better wallets, fired bosses, and longer vacations. Listen at your own risk. Here's your host, seven-figure entrepreneur and online marketing madman, Manny Coates. Manny Coates. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the AMPM podcast. My name is Manny Coates, and I will be your host. And this is the show where we discuss all things Amazon private label and how to generate recurring revenue streams 24 hours per day during the AM and the PM, hence the name of the show. Get it? AMPM podcast. As a matter of fact, I was just messing with how to control my canonical URLs on my products. It's super awesome. I love this stuff. And while I was doing that, I was making money. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Hey, everybody. I am here with Fred McKinnon. He's a 46-year-old e-commerce seller with nearly $60 million in sales over the past decade. And he did a whopping $14 million in sales last year alone. Fred, welcome to the show. Hey, Manny. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Um, Man, I don't know where to start. There's so many things I want to ask you. Why don't you... Well, actually, before I get your story, I want to get some numbers out of the way. What were your sales numbers for December alone? Okay, hang on. I can pull that up for you. Yeah, so it looks like we did about 1.6 million in December. Wow. Okay, so that's some pretty serious volume. Yeah, and I got to tell you, we, we were suspended for about four of the highest peak days in Amazon. Why'd you get suspended? Which, uh, well, that's a huge story. The short story of it is we did absolutely nothing wrong. Uh, it was a scary, horrible story. Uh, it was a Friday night. I was working in Seller Central, and our our site, our store, runs off Big Commerce. And I've waited for years for Big Commerce to accept Amazon payments as a payment method. And somewhere around, they pushed an update so that people could use Amazon payments on our website. And long ago, I think with Magento or something, maybe we used Amazon payments and a lot of customers used it. So I was like, finally. So I'm in Seller Central and you go into like settings or something and there's all the services that you're enrolled in for Amazon. And so I just clicked the link and I filled out the form, you know, to get all set up for Amazon services and get my API key and all that kind of thing. So uh, you have to fill in your routing and banking account information for Amazon payments, right? So I fill it in and I hit the submit button and it spins and it spins. And then on the next screen, it's the login screen. Hmm. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So I logged back in and it didn't take my credentials. Logged back in. It didn't take my credentials. I've been around long enough to know this isn't good. So I reset the password, get the email, go through the reset password process, password accepted. I can't log in. I can't even log into my Amazon shopper account. Everything is blocked. So um, long story short, call seller support. And they're like, yep, looks like your account has been suspended due to suspicious activity. You're going to have to talk to seller performance. And honestly, Manny, I'm not too freaked out or worried right now because um, we're really just blessed to have a 
a part of Amazon called premium dedicated account performance management, meaning we actually, I can talk to someone in seller performance on the phone. Hmm. Uh, a lot of sellers don't have that. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to have. Um, and you have to be invited into that program, but instead of sending an email to that black hole of seller performance, right. you know, yeah. and wondering, are they ever going to answer? Um, I have, uh, this premium performance, performance management team, and I'm supposed to be able to call them. And they're also supposed to call me proactively if there's ever any action that goes on my account. Well, they didn't call and, uh, they also didn't call me back. And in their little terms of service, they say within 24 hours, we'll respond to your email. Well, long story short, it was late Monday afternoon mm. before they finally answered. Mm. So I lost sales like December 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th, you know, that, that last weekend before the last week before Christmas, yeah. when everybody is, it's the biggest weekend, the big you know, of the, of, right. Yeah. Uh, we had, we had zero revenue on Amazon during that time. Uh, and then the worst part is when they, when they called that Monday afternoon and I've never seen Amazon profusely apologize like they, I mean, they were just, we are so sorry. We're so sorry. Everything's good. Your account's reinstated. We're so sorry. We're so sorry. So I was on my way to our uh, company Christmas party. So I'm like, pumping my fish. Yes, yes, hmm. man. Finally, we're back on. We're back on. And I go to the party and I'm having a great time. And on the way home from the party, one of our workers sends me a text and she said, Fred, something's terribly wrong. She said, all of the orders that were pending that hadn't shipped yet, merchant fulfilled orders, they're gone. They're not, they're not showing anywhere. And so we had a ton of stuff that was being drop shipped from distributors all over the country. So it comes to find out it was over 200 orders, about $18,000 worth of product that we had already routed to our distributors, purchased, they had shipped that we could not confirm because those orders no longer existed. Oh man. So we shipped uh, over 18,000, almost about $18,000 worth of product to customers who got it for free. Um, no way to charge them, no way to put tracking on their order because those orders, I mean, they weren't even in seller central grayed out, you know, like a canceled order may look like they were gone. Wow. No history. So apparently they got the email, you know, that said due to suspicious activity on this seller's account, we have proactively canceled your order. You got to imagine how that made us look. Yeah. Your heart was uh, pounding in your chest at this uh, point. Yeah. So the, the end of that saga is last week, Amazon made it right and paid us every penny okay. for every order they canceled. So oh, nice. we, we came out okay, but we still lost a lot of revenue there in December. Yeah, man, that's terrible. <laughs> I thought I've had it bad at times, but that, that's nightmarish when you get your account suspended and then you find out that you just sent out 18 grand worth of product and you're not going to get paid on it. At least that's your thought process. Yeah, and our metrics were, I mean, beautiful. We worked so hard with cancels and late shipment. I mean, our metrics were as good as they've ever been mm -hmm. in the holidays. So we were devastated, but that's kind of, you know, you take a punch in the head and you keep going. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, you had mentioned premium performance team at Amazon. Tell me more about that. Yeah, it's, um, it happened for the first time for us last year. It's, I don't think that it's anything you can go out and ask for. And we were contacted by Amazon. At that time, uh, this lady's name was Emily. 
And um, she said, we're doing a pilot program where we're going to give you access to seller performance to help you with any performance related issues that may happen on your account. And it was fantastic. It was phenomenal, wonderful. And it lasted for about six months or so. And then it was like a pilot program and it came to an end. They actually said we had graduated from it. Mm-hmm. We no longer had access to it. And I, I didn't feel like that was a graduation. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like that was, you know, being sent back down a grade. But um, I continued to try to email my account manager after that pilot program ended. And I finally got a response back that you can't keep sending these emails because, you know, this team's not with you anymore. Um, so, I, you know, I thought that was too bad. But then I guess somewhere around September or October of 2016, same thing, you know, they reached out and said, we've picked your account to be a part of our premium performance management team. And um, so, you know, we got it then and we've had it. It's the same guy I talk to every time. And if it's not him, he has a team of about three people who can answer for him. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, if you go to, uh, if you happen to be one of the lucky ones that get that over in Seller Central, when you go to contact to create a case and all of the uh, options are there, you know, on the left all the different topics you can choose before creating a case. Uh, there's one there called um, seller performance. Okay. So it's, it's really something I'm happy to have and hope I never lose. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds pretty cool. And it doesn't cost you anything to be in the program. No, not at all. Okay. I'll have to check into that. I know that they were rolling out some other programs, I guess for higher end sellers or people that are doing pretty good volume. So I'm going to reach out to my contact and, and see if this is what you actually did. Maybe they just changed the name. So very interesting. Yeah, maybe so. Well, let's go back a little bit. Let's find out how you even got into this. Okay. So you started about what, just over 10 years ago? Yeah, that's about right. Um, and I just kind of stumbled into it. I, you and I and people like us share one common thing. And that's that, that entrepreneurial DNA, I guess that if you have it, you can't do anything about it. You've got it too bad. Hmm, right. Um, so I was the kid, you know, on the bicycle selling Christmas cards and gift wrap and jump rope for heart forms. You know, I was at every doorstep in my small little town. They knew if Fred drove up on his bike that he was selling something. So, (laughs) you know, um, I've always had the blessing and the curse of anything that I happen to be involved in finding a way to somehow monetize it. Um, I don't know if that's really a, a noble thing or not, but I, at the time, I was running a small web hosting company and even that story, you know, I I had a website set up to, to sell the music that I was composing and I was producing some albums in our recording studio for some independent artists and they would always want to sell their music on the web. So I started packaging our studio production packages with, we'll also build your website and help you sell your music online. Okay. And that, that turned into me, reselling web space, owning a hosting company. And then in the midst of that, one November, my, one of my older brothers, I'm, I'm the youngest of four siblings, two older brothers and an older sister. One of the older brothers called and wasn't very internet savvy. And he was trying to find Lego Bionicles. Maybe somebody remembers that toy. I remember. Yeah. Lego Bionicles, right? Yep. It all started with Lego Bionicles. He's like, my son, Ethan, wants Lego Bionicles for his birthday, and I can't find them anywhere. Can you help? Can you do eBay? So, yeah, man, no problem. So I jump on eBay, and sure enough, man, 
Lego Bionicles are there, but they're selling, they're gone, they're sold. And I, I knew how to do the old advanced search where you can search sold or completed listings. Mm-hmm. And every single Lego Bionicle on eBay was green, meaning it had sold. And all of a sudden that light switch flipped and I could care less about helping my brother by buying one. All I wanted to know was how can I find out where to find them wholesale? <laughs> where can I bulk buy Legos? You right. know? That entrepreneurial spirit kicked in. It kicked in and, and poor, I think, I, I think that I did actually go and buy a set for him, but, uh, I kind of went down the rabbit hole that night and I Googled and I searched how to, how to find wholesale toys. And I discovered drop shipping and, and the whole, and I'd kind of heard of that, but I didn't know really what it was. And, and so I fished around. I'm the type, like when I get my mind set on something, I dive down the rabbit hole. It's like, it's like I tell the wife and kids, I'll see you in a couple of days. Don't come in, close the door. And I like just lean over the computer and just digest everything. And, uh, I, that particular night I, I threw a hundred bucks in and, and, subscribe to a, a platform that allows you to search its directory for drop shippers. And there were plenty of them out there and I'm sure a lot of them were fraud or scammy, but I think I gambled and I hit the jackpot and sure enough, and I typed toys and I found two or three little distributors who supposedly would drop ship for you. And I signed up and, uh, filled out the forms, got approved downloaded their feed, spent a little while searching how to become an Amazon seller, signed up to, and, and that it wasn't called Amazon seller central. Then they were called Z shops. So this is before FBA, FBA didn't exist. Um, and so if you're a marketplace seller, it was called a Z shop. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, how do you do that? And then, um, there was no Shopify, there was no big commerce. So the thing that everybody was using then was this, this free shopping cart called OS Commerce. So we built an OS Commerce shopping cart and, and called it like Discount Kids and Toys and Games, put it on one of our web servers and uploaded the file to that and to Amazon and a little business was born. Hmm. A few days later, we had a few orders and we emailed them to our distributor who drop shipped them with our name on the box and we collected our, our first payment was December of that year and it was $400 and they're like, wow, this is kind of cool. Right. And all that, you know, from my bonus room over my garage. So that's how it all kind of started. And it just sort of evolved from there. So from $400, what were your numbers? If you can recall the next year, actually I have that somewhere. If I'll keep talking to you and try to move my microphone towards the computer, cause somewhere I have, a journal of that. And it was, it took a really long time before things really skyrocketed. Yeah. Um, it, wow. it took a, so, um, so Z shop. Okay. That's uh, it's a Z shop. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. All right. Because you started so long ago, is your seller central account on the daily payouts or did you convert over and pay out every two weeks? I get paid weekly. Weekly. Okay. All yeah. right. Weekly. It's a, it's a weekly disbursement and I can tell you, I probably shouldn't be saying this on the podcast out loud, but in back last year, I opened a second seller account 
with approval in writing from Seller Performance with a case on my main account and a case on my new account, all saying the same thing. So I'm, I'm protected, you know, I feel good about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of, you know, see what it's like for people that are just getting started because that second account's gated in a whole lot of categories and I only get paid every two weeks. And even honestly, even the seller support, I feel like is, is completely subpar compared to my other account. Yeah. It is a little bit more difficult now for people to get in. So now are you still looking for that number? If not, we'll, we'll I move am. on. Yeah, I'm looking for it. We can keep talking and I'll just keep searching for it here. Okay. So you did, what was the number in December? Was it 1.6 million you said? Yeah, that was pretty close. 1.6 million. How much of that and actually the entire 14 million for the year for 2016 that you generated, how much of that was private label? Very little. Very little. So almost nothing. Probably about, oh, 50,000, 60,000 maybe. I, I didn't start, I didn't get my first private label product in Amazon until around July or August. Okay. So if you had to break it down in terms of where the money's coming from, what would it be? Well, let's pull up last year. Um, I happen to use Channel Advisor, which is very pricey, but it's pretty phenomenal how you can access your data. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually here on, in front of it. I'll, go, I'll pull up the year for you. Okay. It'll be pretty surprising. Yeah. And with Amazon, if you're not doing private label, then you're, what are you doing primarily? It's just all. Mass, we, we do private label, some bulk, bulk purchases for FBA, or we've started warehousing some of our own items that just don't make sense. You know, stuff that's, that's um, small and light, it doesn't make sense to use FBA for when they, or especially when they're going to charge you six or seven bucks to do multi-channel fulfillment orders. Um, so a lot of that uh, we have in our own little space at our office mm-hmm. and we fulfill it. Um, but so some bulk to FBA, private label, and then we're moving most of the private label over onto the other account. And then uh, drop ship, a lot of just um, full-blown mass drop ship. Yeah, I'm curious of the breakdowns. Yeah, okay, so looking at it right now, it's a big pie chart. And if you look at the pie chart, without question, the biggest slice of the pie is jet.com. Mm, so, interesting. A lot, yeah, of people, and- a lot of people were uh, jumping onto jet. They got approved, and I've been dying to actually talk to somebody that's done well on jet. So it sounds like you have, huh? We did. You did. <laughs> okay. Tent. All right. Past okay. Tent. Yeah. Uh-huh. Jet was about close to 7 million last year. Wow. And a- Amazon was about four and a half million. And then Walmart, the Walmart is, uh, they, they actually kind of had two different platforms. So it's looking like it was about 3 million on Walmart. And then the rest was spread out over our shopping cart and Newegg and Sears and Rakuten. And I get yeah, a little bit on Best Buy. Best Buy was our second largest marketplace. And we were averaging, you know, 70, 80, 90 K a week on Best Buy. And in February of 2016, woke up one morning and got an email from Best Buy Marketplace saying, and, and basically, in summary, what it said was, we've decided to discontinue the Best Buy marketplace tomorrow. Oh, jeez. Tomorrow. All of your listings will be removed tomorrow. Um, not just mine, everyone, you know, everyone on the marketplace. 
Uh, and then to make matters worse, they held the last two disbursements for six months. Mm. Yeah. I'm a fan. I'm a fan, Manny, of uh, of not being so leveraged on debt and not having cash reserve because I'm a Dave Ramsey guy. So I'm all about not having too much debt and trying to have some good cash on hand, mm-hmm. uh, retained earnings. And, and that really is what saved us because we'd paid for that inventory or we bought it from suppliers and on a net 30. So we had tens of thousands of dollars of products that we owed to vendors and Best Buy wasn't going to disperse a couple of hundred thousand dollars to us for at least six months. Mm. So thankfully we had that cash, you know, the retained earnings in the bank so we could cover it, but we'd have been running to a bank otherwise. Yeah. Since you're in Best Buy, is it safe to say you're mainly in electronics? Yeah. The Best Buy was, uh, we're across every possible category, electronics, do a lot of electronics, sporting goods, um, IT, computers, tablets, networking, hardware, um, home and outdoor, home and garden. Just uh, a few of our big distributors are like many Walmarts. You know, they have 300,000 products across every category. Mm-hmm. And so, but yeah, Best Buy, we would, we would send everything to Best Buy, but what would really stick would be a lot of the electronic items. Okay. How many SKUs do you guys have total? We have over a million SKU in Channel Advisor and probably maybe about 150,000 of those SKU are active somewhere right now. Wow, 150,000. So yeah, I can see where drop shipping is a, plays a big role. Absolutely. Okay. Wow. Okay. All right. So tell me a little bit more about Jet because you said it did really well and I'm assuming it's not anymore. They did something? Well, yeah. Um, and I think that Jed approached us in the same way that Walmart approached us as a seller because they saw our presence on Amazon. And they saw that we had tens of thousands of products in our catalog. And it was important for them to have as many products represented in their catalog as possible when they launched. So way back early, you know, in the spring of last year, we began to talk to, or maybe I'm getting a hit, maybe it was the spring of the year before. But I'm pretty sure it was the spring of last year. Help me out, Manny. When did Jet launch? It was just it was just last year, right? I don't know exactly when they launched. Off the top of my head, I know that they were announcing the ability for people to start joining. A lot of Amazon sellers were coming in 2016 and putting their stuff on. Yeah, yeah. I I think it was late summer, early fall when they kind of went live to the public. Right. Yes. And that's right. Yeah. So we were um, we we were talking to Jet back in the winter or early spring. And they contacted us and said, we want to work with you um, as an onboarding partner. You'll be a launch partner. So uh, you'll be part of the launch and had never heard of it. I thought it was a really clever, cool idea. I love the concept, was excited about it. And um, so we started onboarding and then we went through and man, it was, it was sloppy. I mean, the back end was pretty non-existent. It was still code. I mean, a lot of, a lot of things you couldn't even see. They didn't even have the graphic, the web interface built for most of the things that you needed. Hmm. Um, so we went through their launch and they kind of had a private friends and family only launch where there were only a few thousand people that had access to shop on the site. They ran that for a month or two, and then they expanded that out a little bit before they had their big, full, big launch, like in, I don't know, August, September, somewhere in the fall. Uh, When that happened, 
there was no competition for most of the items that we had. And uh, so, oh man, we had, um, I would say average 150000 to $200,000 a week in weekly disbursements from Jet. So oh. we thought, you know, woohoo, we were excited. Yeah. Was um, that coming from a lot of SKUs or was that from just a handful of them? Um, both. A lot, but it would also come from one or two SKU. What was happening though, well, and then somewhere around November, all of a sudden that cut in half overnight. And I talked to my account guy and I was like, what has happened here? He's like, well, we just onboarded another partner who has 1.8 million SKUs. So, wow. And so all of a sudden there's competition and as they grew, so did the competition. Uh, and that's kind of where we are now. Two big things happened for us with jet, or I would say three things. One is they continued to onboard more retailers, which increased competition. Uh, cause we're all selling that when you're drop shipping, it's not like private labeling where you control your price, where you control your brand, you control your product, your margin. When you're drop shipping, name brand items that everyone else is selling and pretty much everyone else is probably buying from the same distributors. It gets dog eat dog real quick, you know? Um, so more, just more partners create competition. And then, uh, jet started to kind of go behind us or around us and go straight to our distributor and the distributors that we would buy from, some of them began to drop ship directly to Jet customers for Jet. So we kind of got weeded out, oh, which wow. I wasn't very happy about. Yeah. Um, and then the third thing is, the way Jet's model was, is they would, this was insane, they would always give the customer market price, no matter what the retailer, and they call like, if you're the seller, they call you the retailer or the partner. So when you check out on Jet, it'll say being fulfilled by our Jet retail partner. And it, it may say your name or it may not say your name. But if you're the shopper on Jet, Jet's going to display a price that is what they call market price, which is com com comparable to Amazon or Walmart. So if Amazon is in the buy box for Sony headphones for and my wholesale cost for those same headphones is 119. Mm -hmm. And then I put my markup. So let's say that after my markup and my shipping, I'm sending a price to Jet for $140 for those headphones. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, the shopper sees $79.99 because Jet's never going to compete with Amazon or Walmart if they don't have comparable pricing. So it's subsidizing. So they would. They would honor the, or they would let the customer buy it for $79.99 and they would pay me the whole $140. So they would have to eat the difference. They would have to subsidize that sale. Really? Yes. So we got pretty rich off jet subsidies uh, <laughs> last year and, and initially not understanding that, not understanding how they could do that or why they could do that. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like marketing for them. And, uh, as the, as Jet went through several seasons of raising capital with investors, the because inv they were burning, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars to do that. Mm -hmm. And as they went through a few rounds of, of capital, their investors began to get a little itchy about all those losses on the books and would, you know, so my Jet guy would call and say, look, 
we can't keep subsidizing this. You've got to give us a better price. And I'm like, well, I'm giving you the best price I can, man. I'm at my cost plus the cost of shipping plus 2% over your commission rate. So I'm making 2%. I can't do any better than that. And, you know, so they had to decide, they had to decide we're going to quit subsidizing this and remove the product from our site or we're going to, we're going to subsidize it and lose money. It was really a no win situation for them. Uh-huh. Uh, so they begin to eventually tweak their algorithm. So kind of like Amazon has an algorithm where if your price is higher than a certain price, then they'll just suppress the listing. And so that's what jet did. They started suppressing listings that they were just bleeding too much money on in, in the subsidies. And so we dropped from, you know, the 150 to 200 K a week to now it's probably more like 30 to 40 a week. 30, 40 grand a week. Well, that's still decent though. I mean, yeah. I guess it's all relative, but yeah, that hurts when you lose that much. Right. But I'd rather have 5k a week, you know, with 30 or 40% private label margins yeah. than, than 30 or 40k a week with three, 4% dropship margins on name brand things. So out of the 14 million that you sold last year, then what would be your margins? At the end of the day, uh, brace yourself. This is going to hurt. Our gross margin probably was somewhere around eight or 9%. And out of that, you know, I pay seven employees and liability insurance and my own salary and everything else. So we all get taken care of out of that still a nice chunk left, but it's a lot of work and a lot of stress. So, um, really beginning to honestly, Manny, it's just, that's all that I knew, you know, that's how I started. I stumbled into drop shipping. It was cool. We got traction. We got favor. We got national exposure uh, with these huge, huge retailers like Jet and Walmart and Amazon uh, and got a lot of perks for that. And there's some non-tangible benefits that come with running that much money through your account, you know, that don't show up on the P&L that are really valuable as well. When you start thinking about just intangible slight rewards points on your shipping accounts and your American express and things like that. Right. Um, are pretty, pretty doggone good perks, you know, Yeah. for that. Uh, we're going out to Vegas to prosper on Amex points. We'll see you out there, right? Yeah. I'll be out and prosper for sure. Yeah. So we're, yeah. we're spending the week out there and then coming back and then taking all six of us, the family to Jamaica for a week for spring break, all inclusive. So we get to have a little bit of fun in the midst of all that. Yeah, it's a lot of points when you're putting eight figures through credit cards and or right. at least seven figures. So you're at around 8% gross. So that's putting you at just over a million dollars based off of last year's number. So it's still solid, but yeah, you've got seven employees. You said before the show that you actually have a full-time regular job, right? That you love. And this is something that you do. The whole, everything we've just talked about, that's being done part-time? Correct. Wow. That's crazy. Okay. So I want to know, it's crazy. I want to know how you do that. First of all, can you say what you do? Oh yeah. Sure. Totally. I'm a musician. I've been a musician since I was, you know, kindergarten climbed up on a piano bench. So I'm a piano player, keyboard player, but I'm a professional musician. I have a couple of degrees in music and I, I, I do lots of things with music, but the main way that's expressed is actually through my church in my town. I work full time at our church. And it's, so I'm like the minister of music or worship pastor or whatever title you want. I'm not a fan of titles really, 
Um, but I, uh, we have a pretty large church despite being on a very small little, uh, resort Island down here in Georgia. Um, I get to manage two or three venues on a Sunday morning with live music and all three. And I manage a roster of about 40 or 50 musicians and singers. And I love every second of it. It's so much fun. I get a lot of fulfillment out of it. And, um, Great. So you love that. You're never going to quit that. That's what you want to do. How many hours do you dedicate on a daily basis to the other business? Well, it varies. It Honestly, it varies. Um, we get in seasons where it's almost on autopilot with my staff and I just check in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say there's seasons where it's maybe six or seven hours a week. Wow. Um, right okay. now, uh, because of a lot of the private labeling that we're beginning to do and uh, a big pivot to do a lot more bulk and FBA and wholesale. I'm way more involved and I'm also going through a real challenge in getting a, a, a better uh, handle on our accounting, our numbers and our margins. Um, so I would say I'm probably, I would say I'm probably working 30 to 40 to 50 hours a week on the business in addition to the 40 hours a week at the church. Right. And that's mainly because of the pivot going more to wholesale and private label then. Absolutely. And, and okay. we're, we're automating more. It's, um, we're in a process where a, a lot of that, that whole stuff in the business on the dropship side was, was done manually. And over the last year, we've begun to integrate the majority of our vendors. So that's all handled electronically. And that's really going to be life changing for us because you place an order on Amazon, Jet, Walmart, New Egg, Sears, Big Commerce, Shopify. It comes into Channel Advisor, which is what we use. There's plenty of services out there like this. It comes into Channel Advisor, and then within about five minutes, that that order is pulled into a third-party platform that we use separately to manage all of our SKU and our inventory across all warehouses and suppliers. And that order is routed electronically to the distributor. The distributor picks packs and ships it since backtracking and the whole thing is turnkey without us touching it ever. Um, nice. So that's channel advisor. I don't use any of those tools cause I, you know, I'm strictly private label right now, but yeah. is that similar then to Scubana and ShipStation and those things? It's not similar to ShipStation. Um, and I'm not really sure if it's similar to Scubana. Uh, the Scubana guy's going to be out in Vegas in March. So I look forward to talking to him and find it. I've, I've heard that come up several times. Mm-hmm. Um, what Channel Advisor does is it, it is it's like the mothership of all of our SKU and all of our products and all of our logic and business rules that have to do with quantity and cost. And it is, it is the mothership that sends out the feeds to all the various uh, platforms, the channels where we sell. So there's an outbound feed from Channel Advisor to Amazon, Walmart, Jet, Newegg, Sears, Rakuten, Big Commerce, Shopify, eBay, um, all across the board. Uh, and um, but it doesn't. It has nothing to do with actually the fulfillment of an order. So all it all it does is keep the data, and and you know the orders come into there, the sales records come into there. But once the order comes into Channel Advisor, you still have to get that order routed to a warehouse one way or another. So. Right. We use a service called HubLogics for that, and they all talk to each other. You know, they're built in to talk. ShipStation also, we do use ShipStation for all the things that we fulfill 
out of our own office here in Georgia and all of our seller fulfilled prime. We do all of our seller fulfilled prime through ShipStation. Amazon makes it pretty easy when you're setting things up. You've got a lot of keyword options. You know, you got your front end and you also your back end keywords. From what I understand, a lot of, I don't remember if it was Jet or Walmart, they don't have back end keywords. Is that correct? Um, I think maybe Jet may be that way. Walmart definitely does have keywords okay. and, and bullet points. And those, Walmart's almost become a little more picky about the data than Amazon. Um, really has refined their template so that you could, um, we've had, even in the private label sense, had more success definitely on Walmart than on Jet with people mm -hmm. finding our private label products. Uh, I, I'm not going to lie, man. I'm 46 years old. I've made tens of millions of dollars in e-commerce. But when I got my first private label product and it sold on walmart.com, that's like crack open the champagne, man. We were yeah. excited. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. That, it's really an exciting time when you get those things going like that. Walmart though, they have the same thing, right? If you prices similar to Jet, I mean, if they'll actually delist your product, if their spider software ends up finding a cheaper price. Well, yeah, but it's, it's, uh, they give you some margin there. I, I want to say it's five yeah. or 10% or so they give you. So it doesn't have to be, you know, we'd all be in trouble, you know, if, if we had to compete against Amazon retail for price on everything. So yeah. they give you some wiggle room there. I, I want to say it's maybe five to 10%. Um, but Walmart's marketplace is, is really almost exactly like Amazon's in the sense that when you go to a product page and you're looking at that product page, then it'll say there's six sellers selling this and you could sort all six and you can see their reviews and you can see their pricing and you could choose what seller you want to purchase from. But Jet doesn't work that way at all. It's all behind the scenes with Jet. There's no buy box. There's no choose what seller on Jet. Jet's algorithm makes that choice for you based on the price and the distance and everything else that you've sent to them. Okay. What about product discoverability when you're launching a product on something outside of Amazon? Is it a different process? Tough. It's yeah. tough. Yeah. There's no sponsored ads. There's no pay-per-click built into that. So yeah, it, it's really hard. Um, and I know the private label community is all eager about getting their products into Walmart and the jet. And some have had success and, and a lot are struggling. I, I think it's extremely wise to diversify into multiple marketplaces. That way, if Amazon shuts you down for absolutely no reason other than a suspicious activity glitch like they did us, mm -hmm. you can still be pulling in money, you know? Yeah, well, where would you go outside of Amazon? Yeah, what would be the number one place? I'd go to Walmart and then, Walmart. then the Jet. But I, I really would probably, I think we get as many orders on our own big commerce site as we do Walmart. So I think if I were going to go to Walmart, I would, yes, I would go to Walmart. I'd go to jet. It depends on your niche. If, if, if you have a product that's more electronic it oriented, I'd definitely get on the new egg marketplace, the new egg seller portal, newegg.com, mm -hmm. um, uh, racketon.com. Eh, you got to spend a lot of money to get exposure at racketon. Uh, there's always eBay. Of course, uh, we've done extremely well on eBay over the last year, um, in part because they offered us a fantastic promotion where we could list unlimited listings with zero insertion fee. Oh, so, nice. yeah. Yeah. That yeah was, you get uh, some good deals. Well, and you know, and that was the whole thing. They, they, they called 
I didn't know they had real people, you know, that call you cold call, <laughs> sales call, mm-hmm. literally a cold call. And there's like, this is so-and-so Andy from eBay. And I'd like to know why you have 86,000 products in your Amazon store and 21 in your eBay store. I was like, well, that's easy. You know, we don't have to pay a fee to list on Amazon and we do on eBay. And so really the only thing we list on eBay is our open box returns. And he's like, well, what if I made that go away? I sat up straight in my chair, you know, I'm listening. Hmm. Yeah. um, But, you know, to answer your question, I would do Walmart and Jet, yes, but I would absolutely invest in Shopify or Big Commerce. I've always been a Big Commerce guy. I have two Big Commerce stores. And just uh, last month, I finally signed up for Shopify for a third brand that we're just, we don't even have the product out yet. I got my prototype today. My sample came today, mm-hmm. literally. Um, so we have a, a Shopify store that we opened for that brand. So I'm still kind of trying to figure out Shopify as it compares to BigCommerce. But I would really say to your listeners, um, if you haven't set up your own site yet, that's critical. Get that done. Because if you're going to have to invest in Facebook ads or Google ads or some sort of pay-per-click marketing to drive traffic, you may as well drive it to your own website. Yeah. And you're not paying the commission there. And you're capturing the customer data there. So it's, it's really more of a win than to try to get discovered. Yeah. How much are you spending on advertising to drive traffic to your websites? Very little, very little. Um, on so the, is it all SEO? Is that what you're doing? It's just organic traffic? No, we do, we're doing Google shopping and Facebook ads. Um, on the big account that's more drop ship, it, it's, I think I have like literally a nickel, a click bid on Google shopping um, because we have so many products and, and because it's, almost everything on the big site is drop ship. The margins are really low, you know, four or 5%. So you almost, you just can't break even mm-hmm. doing pay-per-click and making four to 5% margin on a sale. So, uh, we do that really to have name exposure for marketing sake, to have our name and our logo out there and to drive traffic to the site. And by driving traffic to the site, they get that Facebook pixel stuck on their computer, you know, that cookie, Mm-hmm. And so our retargeting ads are working pretty well over on Facebook. So if you come to our site and you look around and then you go to your Facebook page, all those items that you looked at are going to be showing up all over your Facebook feed, <laughs> you know? And so we, we spent a little more on, you know, probably five or 600 bucks a month on, on the other account for private label. And that one I'm running two campaigns. One is just a pure traffic campaign, put up some pictures of products and things like that and drive people to the site. And then the second campaign is a conversion campaign that displays products from our catalog. So, but the conversion campaign really didn't even have enough users associated with it to get impressions until you had traffic. So it's kind of a two-step process. First, you have to send traffic there and, and fire that Facebook pixel or fire that Google pixel or that MailChimp pixel. You have to do all that to get the traffic so that you can start building a lookalike list and, you know, a, a mailing list and that kind of thing. Okay. So, but that's pretty smart. So you pay roughly about a nickel to get them over to the site and get them cookied, get them pixeled. And then from there, you're just showing them ads on Facebook, essentially. 
Right, right. So 500 bucks a month, what does that equate to? You said that you're not paying that much, but your margins are so are pretty slim. Are you actually profitable on that at this point with your private label? Oh, no, yeah, we're definitely profitable on the private label. I would say we probably break even on the, uh, the big account that's more dropship. Mm-hmm. So that's more of a break even, definitely profitable on the private label. Okay, and that $500 per month, is that basically account wide or is that only on private label or only on your that, dropship stuff? That's just account label. Uh, that's just the private label. Private label. And so can you say roughly how much in sales you're generating off of that kind of advertising? Let's look. It's hard to say for sure. This is really interesting to me. We're always looking for outside traffic and how to drive cheap traffic, essentially, that converts well, not only for our products, but for you know, whether it's our Facebook group or our Helium 10 software or you name yeah. it, right? There's always something. But- last year, uh, last year overall, we sent about $87,000 in sales uh, to, to big commerce. But again, the, the, uh, the amount that we did private label was only about $1,000 on an average ticket of about $25. So, uh, but we only launched that, like I said, um, I launched the big commerce site for our first private label brand in October. Okay. So, you know, we, we did about a thousand dollars since October. Okay. All right. Interesting. I'm going to have to experiment with that a little bit more. Would you actually expand out to other countries on Amazon before going to Walmart or jet? Absolutely. If it's, if it's practical, um, I've been trying to do Canada honestly for a year and this is where I need to start to put into practice what I hear a lot of you guys talk about on the podcast and get a VA, you know, someone, yeah. a virtual, because I think there's, I think if I sat down and I focused myself and just went through the paperwork with FedEx to get this uh, NRI, non-resident import, you have to have an NRI, it's called. There's some, there's some paperwork. I'm not a fan of paperwork. I hate it. And I hate answering all those dumb questions and I don't know how to answer half of them anyway. So it's like, I'd rather be shot than have to answer that three page <laughs> NRI. Right. And, mm-hmm. and the guys at FedEx, uh, we spend, we spend untold amount of money with FedEx because all, everyone that drop ships for us bills to our FedEx account. So the guys at FedEx are like, Fred, so come on, man, we can knock this out in one afternoon. <laughs> you know? But that's what, the only thing holding us up is, is getting the non-resident import. There's like an ID number or something you have to have before you can do FBA in Canada. Our seller accounts are already unified. So we can, you know, we can send to Canada, Mexico, anywhere in North America. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not really interested in going overseas yet, like to Japan or anything like that. Just the sheer amount of trouble we had internationally on eBay alone kind of made me not want to deal with all that right away. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I know that's one of my things for 2017 is expanding out. I might do Canada. I might skip it, but I've been looking at UK and Japan, actually. It's funny that you mentioned that, but I'm also looking at Walmart as uh, an option. So it'll be interesting. I want to see where everything goes with 2017. I do have a question about, you had mentioned v, you know, hiring a VA. You said you have seven people on your team. Where'd you find these seven people and what do they do? Why do you have seven? And they are, they are my rock. They, they, are, they are incredible people. All of them initially were local to me, uh, and now only about three of them are. So um, one lady that I have 
full time. She lives here and she's just a local person that a friend of a friend, actually uh, her son was the full time web designer back when I had the web hosting company. And so I knew her that way. I knew her from our church <clears throat> and she works full time and she does customer service. So she, um, she handles a lot of customer service tickets and emails and phone calls, but her main role is handling all the returns with jet, especially um, jets return policy. It works in such a way where uh, unlike Amazon or even Walmart, uh, if a customer, a Jet customer wants to return something, they never talk to the seller. They only talk to Jet. And Jet immediately sends them a prepaid label to us. We never dealt, put our hands on returns before Jet. So as, we, as a drop shipper, if you buy from me on Amazon, Annie, Manning, and, and you decide you want to return it and you contact us, we'd say, yeah, sure, give us, give us a day to get an RMA number for you. And so we would go to the shipper the warehouse that shipped that for us, the distributor, and say, we got a return. We need an RMA from you. They would give us the RMA. We would send you that RMA, and you would actually ship it all the way back to the original drop ship distributor that shipped it for us. And then, you know, a few days later, we'd get a credit memo for that order. Um, that's the way we kind of preferred it, because it was hands-off. And with Jet, all of a sudden, we had to double our commercial space to make room for 30 or 40 packages a day of jet returns. Mm -hmm. And so that changed her job description dramatically where, you know, she was pretty mobile and remote and could work from a coffee shop, but she has to come in now a lot and work, process those returns physically and consolidate them. And then we have to sell them or, or resell them or send them back to distributors for credit. Uh, I've got a sales manager who basically He's full-time salaried, and he oversees the, all the ordering process, is beginning to take more of a role in our FBA shipments, and he does all the outbound shipping from our commercial space here on our island and uh, just manages kind of the office. He's the sales office manager, so he wears a lot of hats. Uh, my primary customer service person they don't like this title. I call her my number two in command. I was like, Dana, you're my number two. And she goes, I don't want to be your crap. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, don't call me your number two, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, she, she is outstanding and she's almost 100% customer service and vendor relations. So she handles all the customer service issues and escalations. She answers the phone and gets cussed out all day, every day. And, um, if there's map issues or trademark issues or copyright infringement issues with some of the products we sell, she's kind of my go-to there. Um, and then, uh, but she lived here. One cool thing about living down where we live is over on the, we're on an island, literally we're like on an island and over the causeway to the mainland, there's this, this huge, huge campus called Fletzy. L-F-L-E-T-C. It stands for Federal Law Enforcement Training Center. If you ever watch like any of the CSI or NCIS type shows, they mention Fletzy all the time because that's where pretty much everyone except maybe the CIA comes to train. Okay. And uh, with that, we have tons of amazing people in the community. The disadvantage to that is they, they're government employees, so they, they get moved around a lot. And so Dana's husband was a, um, 
you know, one of those, uh, I think it's like Homeland Security guys or something. And he was down here as an instructor at Fletzy and got transferred out to D.C. So she left, but she can work from her basement. So she sits in her basement and answers phone calls and does all of that. Uh, I'll start running out of people. Then I've got a couple that are kind of like part-time contractors who do data entry, help keep the accounting going. Uh, some of these manual orders where you literally have to manually get the tracking off a spreadsheet or out of an email and copy and paste it in to close out the order. Mm-hmm. They, they do that kind of work also. Um, okay. And then any kind of errors in our routing system, sometimes our routing system will kick out an error and say such and such warehouse isn't responding or um, the cost of this item is higher than the amount that you collected. What do you want us to do? Um, so she handles all that error resolution. So they, they stay pretty busy. Yeah, sounds like it. And it makes your life a lot easier. It allows you to maybe work those six, seven hour weeks in some cases. So that's right. Cool. Yeah. And I couldn't, I couldn't work full time at the church where I am and I couldn't be faithful to that job and execute well there if I didn't have this team. Yeah. So do you have a partner or is this your gig? It's my gig. Uh, my okay. wife would be my partner. She's a uh, madam secretary and uh, <laughs> she could care less about all this really. Um, and I'm grateful for her because I'm the dreamer and the entrepreneur and the risk taker. And she is the, whoa, she pulls back the reins, you know, like yeah. slow down. And I come home and say, joy, we made $15 million this year. And, you know, I want her to like crack open the wine. And instead she goes, how much did we keep? <laughs> you know, so right. yeah. she, she balances me out pretty good. Okay, great, great. Yeah, that's actually important. I have the same thing on my side. It's like, I want to spend and expand. She's like, well, hold on. Let's, let's figure things out. So what other questions? I have, man, there's a lot of stuff. I, I do have one question that I pretty much ask most of the people that I interview. Do you recall when you first started this, how much money you started with, what it took to get going? $100. $100. Okay, tell me about that. How do you turn $100 into $14 million? I want to know. That's going to be the title of my ebook, man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, summarize, because we've, uh, we've gone about an hour. Summarize it in like a minute or two. How do you well, do that? It all went back to the story of the Lego Bonicles. I rolled the dice. I spent $99 for a lifetime membership in a drop ship directory on the internet that hooked me up to suppliers that allowed me to begin to buy products and list them. And as a drop shipper, I never spend money until I made money. So I didn't have to outlay capital. You know, I didn't buy the product until you bought it from me first. So I literally started it with a hundred bucks. Okay. Well, that's, yeah, that's interesting. We're going to have to talk about this more. You know what I like to do is I've got another buddy that he's gaining quite a bit of traction now in Walmart and Jet. And I'd love to have, I've never done this, but I'd like to have both you guys on a show because I feel like, you know, I don't know enough about that particular market yet. And I think the two of you, all three, I could be like the moderator. And I think that would be a really good, very interesting podcast. Would you be down for that? I'm totally down for it. Sounds great. Yeah, we could focus because we were all over the place here, you know, trying to cover what you do and everything. And it was fantastic information, giving everybody kind of a broad picture of what can be done. But I'd really, I know there's a lot of interest in our group and, and our podcast listeners, specifically on Jet and Walmart. And I think that we could do, you know, probably a, a 30, 40 minute podcast specifically just on that with all the, the questions you guys can bounce around. So yeah, let's definitely do that. And yeah, I, you know, I'm going to hold some of my other questions back for now. I want to bring those into the next episode, but I want to thank you for coming on the show. Man, it's my honor. I, I really enjoy the podcast, love listening to it, love all of them, but I'll, I really love 
the ones that you and your partner do with the questions, the short ones, you know, the little 10, 15 minuters. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm FAQ on the, series. Yeah. I'm on the go all the time. And, and I, I have my, my podcast app on my phone. So when I crank my truck, the Bluetooth fires in and it just starts playing. It's so nice to be able to finish one. Yeah, finish it on the way somewhere. Right. Yeah. yeah, I love yeah. it. Love it. That's why we did it. We were like, you know what? We want people, if they walk their dog or they're going to a, the gym or they're doing something, they can quickly bang them out and be done. So, well, again, thank you. One final thing. What's the best way for people to reach out to you? Well, I'm on Facebook and I'm actually in your Facebook group as okay. uh, Fred McKinnon, my name, M-C-K-I-N-N-O-N. So yes, hit me up on Facebook. It's probably absolutely the best way to reach me. Okay. And we'll give you a little plug. You have a podcast you started? Yeah, I do. Thanks. That's, you find that over, it's called ebusinessonline.com and there's a hyphen after the E. So it's e-businessonline.com. And I talk a little bit about all this stuff on there with a little blog here and there, share some industry news and, and try to um, kind of tell my story on the podcast of some of the aches and pains that I've gone through over 11 years that maybe I hope that other people won't make the same mistakes that I made. Great. Perfect. So guys, Fred McKinnon, $14 million in sales last year. Margins a little bit lower than he wants. He's pivoting over to private label. He's somebody that we're going to keep an eye on and talk to throughout the year because I think there's big numbers ahead of you, buddy. Thanks again. And we'll have you on the next show. You've been listening to the AMPM podcast hosted by Manny Coates. For more information, insider insider tools, tools, and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit ampmpodcast.com.